morning, everybody. <clears throat> Who sat there this morning thinking, oh, that's my favourite Bible passage? No, truly, you know, we hear these passages and they feel heavy, don't they? They feel really heavy. And what I want to do this morning is I want us to look at this passage with fresh, up, fresh eyes. Think about what is God saying to us this morning through this passage? And who is God? Who is the God behind this passage? Because that's the question we should always ask when we read scripture. We're going to look this morning at living for others. What does it mean to live for others? Because actually the Old Testament is full of what it means to live for others and the call of God and his people to to live for others. And the last uh, two weeks, Simon and Rob have introduced to us um, Amos, who Amos was. He was a, a, a shepherd. He was a and that was a man that would care for sheep, but also he was a man that was sent with a message from God. God had sent him to a people to declare who God was to them, but who they weren't to him, who they weren't being to him, and he was calling them back to himself. And so, as we move forward, we're going to be thinking about what God was really wanting from the people when God was speaking to these people through Amos. What was God really wanting, and who was God in the midst of that? Who has ever disciplined their children? Put your hand up if you've ever disciplined your children. Who really enjoys disciplining your children? Now, the first service, we've gone. <laughs> Do you know, it's slightly worrying how many hands are still left up at that point. And, and it's slightly worrying that Rob Milton's hand was up at both services. Uh, and, and so, but you know, we, we long to see our children become who they're meant to be, don't we? We love them growing up, we love them developing a character that just shines, that they are just becoming a great human being. But not just that, that they want to make a difference to other people's lives. Doesn't it, make, doesn't it warm your heart when your children bless other people? It does. And that's why we discipline our children. Not because we're against them, not because we're full of wrath and we just want them to suffer, but because we care about what they're becoming. We genuinely care because we love And this is the story in Amos. When we read Amos, when we read many of the prophets, we need to capture the heart of God behind the story. Because the heart of God behind the story is because he was disciplining because he loves. He was disciplining because he wanted them to become the best that they could be, a people who were blessed. But also he wanted them to become a people that would bless others. We need to be careful not to focus on the wrath of God, but who the God is behind that wrath The Israelites had lost their way. They'd completely lost their way. They'd lost their way about who they were meant to be, what type of people they were meant to be, but they'd also lost their way about who they were meant to be in regards to what they were meant to do. Their being was supposed to overflow into a doing. In Amos 3.2, it says, You only have I chosen of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for your sins. Now, the context of this is Genesis 12. In Genesis 12, God had made a promise to Abraham and he said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, if I said to you, what is the key theme of that passage, what would you say? Blessing. Blessing. God's heart is always to bless. Always to bless. But more than that in some ways, God's heart is always to bless that what? That we might be a blessing. That God's blessing should be something that overflows through our lives. And this is what the Israelites had missed. 
that they were receiving blessing after blessing after blessing. They were prosperous. They were living in times where they were just prospering. They had loads of stuff. They had loads of comfort. They'd become complacent. And what they'd forgotten to do is take what God had given them and bless others. And this was God's indictment on them. The context of this is that God was creating a family. You know, God wants to make himself known in the midst of a family, in the midst of a people. But the family of God had moved away from God. They'd moved away from honouring him. They'd made it out their own way. They'd made their own groove in life. And God is calling them back to that and saying there are consequences to being what they'd become. But they'd become distracted. They'd become comfortable. Have you ever become comfortable in your Christian life? Have you ever become complacent in your Christian life? Especially when things are going well. Just go, yeah, we're blessed. And in this country, we are very blessed. Very blessed with lots of stuff. With a place of worship that's without trouble. Materially, we're blessed for many of us. But in the midst of that, we can become complacent. And the other thing that Israel failed to remember is that they were meant to be influencers. They were meant to be people who would influence culture. And instead of being an influence, they had become influenced by the culture. They were being shaped by the culture around them. And as a church, that's something we need to be mindful of, isn't it? That we don't become influenced by the culture around us. We are meant to carry the image of God to this culture, to Southport. We are meant to model who God is to this culture. But what was almost worse than this is they started to hide behind ritual. They started to think they were immune to God's wrath, to God's punishment for who they were not being to him. And the way they were doing that is just by doing the rituals of a religious life. You know, for us, what would that look like? Going to church, going to life group, even reading our Bibles, even praying. All those things that we go, I'm fulfilling a religious pattern and therefore surely I'm okay. But there's a great call in our lives as individuals and also as a church. The passage today calls us to focus on justice and righteousness. Justice and righteousness. Verses 21 to 24 say, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to your music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never failing stream. Amos is basically saying to the people, the way you are living your lives, you're pretending to be God's people, but what you are is a sham. What you are is a sham. You, 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 you're wearing this cover of religious, religious behaviours, but actually behind that, you are not doing what you are meant to be and meant to do. Your righteousness and justice, let me read your definition from the Hebrew word of righteousness. Righteousness is a standard of right, equitable relationships between people, no matter what social differences. And justice is the concrete actions that you take to correct injustice to create righteousness. These are two things that God is wanting to see in your lives today. That you might seek out justice in how you treat people. You know, as the vision unfolds in this church, we want to be a people that welcomes many. But when we welcome many, there'll be many people that aren't like you. Who likes to be around people that are just like you? We do, don't we? You know, the people that make us feel comfortable in life are people that are like you. 
more like me. So when people come into our lives that make us feel awkward, make us feel uncomfortable, sometimes we don't know what to do with ourselves. But as we become a church culture that welcomes people, we are going to come across this. We're going to have people come into our church that make us feel uncomfortable. How welcoming are we going to be to those people? How welcoming are we going to embrace people despite them being different to us? Because justice is reaching out to those who are not like us and welcoming us, making a home for them, making the justice of God come into their lives. True worship should always lead to justice, righteousness and loving our neighbour. You know, we are being called to a vision at the moment, aren't we, as a church? We're called to change lives and we're called to be relevant to those around us. And so that's what I want to think about today is how are you going to become someone who is going to change somebody else's life? What are you stepping into? You know, the Israelites were people who had received much blessing in their lives, but they weren't blessing much. They'd received much blessing, but weren't blessing much. So as, as an individual here this morning... What is your life about? Is it about building something for yourself, becoming more comfortable, or is it about stretching yourself that others might be blessed? This is the call in our lives. Now, the danger is, sometimes we can hear these passages in the Old Testament and go, well, that's just for them. That was just for those naughty Israelites. That was just for those people who had gone far from God. But we're okay, we're the church. We're in Christ, things are different now. But then we read the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25. And the sheep of the goats, let me read this to you. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. This is in Matthew 25. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, but you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. Those also will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry and thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteousness to eternal life. Weighty. Weighty, isn't it? You know, this, this is what is saying will happen in the end. When we are called to account for our lives before Jesus, he's going to say, was your life spent on others? What's your life spent on others? Now, I know I spend so much of my time, my money, and my energy on myself. And God is calling to stretch myself to be there for others. His heart is for others. God's heart is for others. He cares. 
You know, moving forward with our vision, we need to focus on what matters to God. We've been entrusted with good news. You know, Jesus came proclaiming the good news, didn't he? Good news of the kingdom. That we might be free from sin, but also that we might know the presence of God in our lives. That we might be transformed by him, but also make that transformation known for others. We must live for others. New Testament, time and time again, speaks of this. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 says, No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Hebrews 13 says, Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realising it. Therefore, let us offer, through Jesus, a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Are you hearing it? What we're hearing? Others, others, doing good, being there for others. So how do we grow in becoming a people today that are focused on others? I'm going to share three principles with you. Now, I want you to practice these. These are things that I'm trying to grow in. And I just want to call you to join me in this journey of practicing these three principles that you might become someone who is focused on others. The first principle is being a cathedral builder. Now, when people were building a cathedral right at the beginning, they knew they were setting out on a journey that they might not see the completion of something they were starting to build. Now, that's frustrating. If ever you started a project knowing you're never going to see it finished. It's frustrating though, isn't it? We want to see the end results. But we're called to be people that will invest, not in our own generation necessarily, but in a generation to come. You know, parents get this, don't they? If any of you are parents, you know that you are investing in your child's life, that they might have a life that will outlive yours. Yeah? And that's what we're doing here in Southport. We are investing in a town, and we will outlive, that will outlive our lives that will keep growing and developing and the kingdom of God will keep coming and we give our lives to that. But you've got to think about how you see yourself in that process. There's a parable around this and the parable goes, there's a man that came up to three cathedral builders. He went up to the first man and this first man, he says to him, what are you doing? He says, I'm just laying bricks. And that's all he saw himself doing, just laying bricks. He goes to the second man and says, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm building a wall. And then he goes to the third man and says, what are you doing? He says, I'm building a cathedral. He had vision. He knew what his calling was. You know, so today, what do you see yourself as being part of? Do you see yourself as literally, I'm just, well, I'm just turn up at church, I help out at soup, I, I do my little bit. Do you just see that? Or do you genuinely see yourself as fulfilling a calling, a calling of Jesus on your life to become someone who is investing in others? This, this is the heart of somebody that is a cathedral builder. The next image is someone who lives with margin. This comes from Leviticus 23, and again, we get the heart of God in this. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of the field and gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor, for the foreigner residing amongst you. I am the Lord your God. Think about your life at the moment. Think about all the resources that you've got. Each one of us has got a resource and lots of resources You might have time, you might have money, you might have energy, you might have love and compassion. 
We all have different things. We might have skills just because of our work. We all have different things in this room that we hold in our hands. And when we think about those things in our hands, what are those things doing? Are they just blessing you? Or is there space amongst those things to bless others? Or your homes. Most of us have got homes. How are you using your home? Is your home a place where you can invite other people? Is your home a place of comfort? Is your home a place where people feel welcomed? Is your home a place where people come, there is a choice of drink or just the drinks that you like? How, how are you shaping your home to make it hospitable to others? And so this is a different way of thinking. So the principle behind this is that the farmers would only farm so far, but they knew there was space for the crops to be left that others might come and feed off that land and be blessed. But that land belonged to someone else. You know, how are people drawing from your life today? Are you opening up your life to bless others? Are others being shaped by what you have? I heard of a story recently where... A man went to Kenya, he's doing some project work in Kenya, and a family had given him £500. And he took that £500 to Kenya with him. And he saw a need in the community there. There was a woman whose husband had been killed, she had children, and he knew that it wasn't just about giving away money, but investing in her. So what he did is he helped to set up a business with that £500. With his skills, he's a businessman himself, he gave away what he was to that, to that woman. And now she's setting up a business in sewing that's now fueling her family, that's giving her family a new hope and a new future, but also will be something that grows and blesses others as others get the benefit from who she is. This is what we're called to be. We're called to be people who will grow that others might be blessed. And as a church, you know, this is a challenge for us as a church. How much margin is there in this church that we might bless others? Or are we just meeting our own needs? You know, because we can look at that individually, but we can also look at that as a church. How is our church being shaped and fashioned for the needs of others in our town? The third image is a Russian doll. It's my little Russian doll that I borrowed. <coughs> what does this Russian doll have inside it? Another Russian doll. What's inside this Russian doll? Another Russian doll. Another Russian doll. And what's inside this Russian doll? It could be a Russian doll. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Another Russian doll. And what is inside this Russian doll? Another Russian doll. And in this, it seems an insignificant little Russian doll. But this is the heart of the gospel. This is the heart of who we're meant to be as a church. That you have things inside your life that can affect someone else. You all have a story to tell. A story of how God has brought you through hardship, through pain, but also through successes and joy. You have skills that you can give to somebody else that can transform their life. And within that person, what is there? A person they can bless. That person has someone they can bless. And this is how the kingdom of God works. When Jesus comes, he says, give away, that you have been given life. Now, to keep that life, what do you need to do? What does Jesus say? To have life, what do we do? We give it away. He says, if you try and keep hold of life, if you try and keep hold of everything, keep comfort in your life, that life will die, it says. But to have life, you need to give it away. And so, will you be a Russian doll? Will you be seeking out other people in your life, around your life, in this church through the ministries that we do that will be blessed 
by who you are and what you have to give. I'm going to give an example of my mother-in-law. I will very much embarrass her now. Um, and I'll probably get some brownie points for this, so that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> now, my mother-in-law this week said to me, Sue, who sat at the back here, she said that there is a need in one of the local nursing homes for people to be fed. That there are short staff and there's not enough people to feed people at lunchtime. So she is giving up time. She's giving up that margin that she had in her life to do whatever she wanted to do with that time. And she's choosing to go into that home and feed somebody else. She's, she's a nurse. And she's, she's retired. She doesn't have to do it. But she's choosing to give up her time to bless somebody else. Somebody else who is oppressed. Somebody else who has need. And that really spoke to me this week. But as a, as a people, as a person, will I become somebody who lives for others? 2 Corinthians 1 says that we have a God of comfort who has comforted us, so we must comfort others. Steve has talked about this principle, hasn't he? About being a people who live up, in, and out. Our call to live up is to worship God, to love him, to serve him, to be a people that give our attention to him, all that he would require of us. And then there's this sense of in, that in the in, we develop a relationship with one another, that we love one another, that we're known for our love for one another. But there's definitely a call to go out, to live our lives focused on others. And this is where we become healthy Christians. This is where maturity comes in. How many of you want to be a mature Christian? You want to grow and be strong and to really reflect the goodness and the, and the grace of God. Well, this is how we do it. We love God, we love one another, but we also have to love others. This is our call as God's people. When the church rises up, truly rises up and gets this, we make Jesus famous. At the moment, when people look at this church, when people look into your life, do they see Jesus? Do they just see a heart that lives for others, that wants to bless other people? that wants to extend God's goodness and his kindness and his mercy to other people around you. That's my prayer for this church, you know, when we move forward as in the vision that's being set out for us, that people would look at Christ Church and they go, do you know what? Christ Church is the church that gives. Christ Church is the church that loves. And the danger is that each one of us here goes, yes, the church should be that. Uh, yeah, I expect the church to become that, but who is the church? Now everyone's hands should be up. You are the church. We are the church. You know, the church can only become what we are willing to become ourselves. The church can only become what we are willing to become ourselves. And so the challenge today is will we be people who love others? Would you stand with me? You know, we see from Jesus' teaching, you know, so many things that Jesus says about being being a light, being a city on a hill, all these things that speak of standing out, shining out God's goodness. And as the worship band come up, I just want to take a moment, if it's okay, to respond. Just to respond to the Lord and just say, Lord, I, I want to be, I want to be someone that, that lives for others. I, I want my life to be shaped. I want to become somebody that is stretched in my capacity to love whether that's how you serve in the church or how you just live out your life generally, but always thinking about the needs of others. So let's just take a moment to pray. For those of you who are Christians here today, make that a prayer. For those of you who may not know Jesus today, I hope that you would come towards the end and go, show me this Jesus who loves 
and we can introduce you to him. But if that's you today, just feel free to stand with us and just to think about the needs of others. So let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you reached out to us when we were another. That you gave your life for us as others. That when you came to this earth, Lord, you came reaching others. That others might know your goodness, might know your grace, might know your love. And Father, I pray that we wouldn't make the mistake, Lord, of the Israelites who kept a blessing to themselves, but Lord, we would carry a blessing to the world. Lord, whoever you would send us to, God, let us be a blessing to us. Spirit, God, I pray you would anoint us, you'd inspire us to think about ways that we can use our life, our talents, our energy, our money, Lord, all that you give and have given us for the needs of those you'd send our way. Lord, in your mercy, God, forgive us, Lord, for holding back. Lord, give us the strength and the boldness to press forward. Come, Lord. Lord, I thank you like the Russian doll, Lord. What we, uh, what we give sometimes feels significant, but Lord, it can make such a difference to somebody else's life. Lord, inspire us and lead us. Amen. Amen. The band's going to lead us in some worship. And as uh, Mark's just going to do a, a chorus, a uh, bridge, sorry, of a, of a song. And it's a song you work, we sing a lot. And I, I thought these words this week and how significant they are for this. And I just want to encourage you to sing this bridge as a, as a response to, to this talk, a response to your heart, just responding to what God might be saying to you this morning and then after this Mark will continue in worship and there'll be people over to the left hand side if there's something in the talk that's that's stirred you Uh, but if there's just any need that you have this morning whether that's physical healing any other type of healing if there's a situation you're facing and you just want someone to pray with you and stand with you in that situation there'll be people over to my left here who will pray with you but before we go over and get ministry we're just going to sing this uh, refrain together and we'll go from there